It's pop culture crush, Jessica here. And we have kind of a controversial topic today. I'm genuinely nervous about this one because it's my pop five cult classics that I'm not really a fan of. You know, I know my slogan is peace, love, and pop culture, but I think as much as everyone is allowed to love something, you're also allowed to not love something. And the big thing I want to get across today is I don't think these movies are bad at all. Like, they're not bad movies. I'm not saying I hate them or anything. I'm just saying they're not really my thing. And also, for today's topic, it's not in any particular order. So, of hate or (laughs) dislike or whatever you want to call it. Um, Not hate. I don't hate these movies. Anyway, okay, I'm just going to get to it. Talking myself in circles. All right. Number five, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. This one hurts my husband's heart a little bit. It was released in 1975, and it's about King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table who embark on a surreal, low-budget search for the Holy Grail, encountering many very silly obstacles. A little trivia, uh, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and Genesis all supposedly contributed to the film's budget. The famous depiction of galloping horses by using coconut shells, a traditional radio show sound effect, came about from the purely practical reason that the production simply could not afford real horses. And then I thought this was kind of interesting. The theatrical release contains 527 jokes, including 42 in just the opening credits. So that averages out to one joke every 10.5 seconds. I did not do the math. This is just what Internet Movie Database says. But that's an insane amount of jokes. So you're probably wondering why. <laughs> I, You know, I do like Monty Python. I think their, like, short skits and things like that are, are funny, like, really funny. It's just the movies for some reason. I just never gotten into them. All right, number four, The Big Lebowski. I know. It was uh, released in 1998, and it's Jeff, the dude, Lebowski, mistaken for a millionaire of the same name, seeks restitution for his ruined rug and enlists his bowling buddies to help get it. Little trivia, before filming a scene, Jeff Bridges would frequently ask the Coen brothers, did the dude burn one on the way over? If they said he had, he would rub his knuckles in his eyes before doing a take to make his eyes appear bloodshot. In an early draft of the script, the dude's source of income was revealed. He was an heir to the inventor of the Rubik's Cube, which would have also made him Hungarian in turn. It was Joel Cohen's idea to drop this and never say. So for The Big Lebowski, it definitely has its moments. And even though I'm not a huge fan, let's face it, I can still quote how many lines from it. So I will give it to you. The movie definitely sticks with you and definitely has some funny moments. But, you know, I, I've i only seen it like once, maybe twice. And this was, I mean, years ago. So to be fair, maybe if I rewatched it again, I would find it funnier than I did back then, maybe. I don't know. And I, it just wasn't my thing. But anyway. <laughs> Number three, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I know, I know. Uh, released in 1975, it's about a newly engaged couple that have a breakdown in an isolated area, their car breaks down, 
in an isolated area and must pay call to the bizarre residence of Dr. Frankenfurter. You know what's weird? When I looked up this movie, I always forget that Susan Sarandon was in this. Isn't that funny? I just don't associate her with cult classics. All right, so now we have a little bit of trivia. And if you haven't listened before, I sometimes throw in some trivia where you have to guess. And then I give you the answers at the end. All right, so whose feature film debut was this? Was it A, Tim Curry's, B, Susan Sarandon's, or C, Brad Majors? Whose feature film debut was it? And we'll come back to it at the end of the show. Another thing of trivia, when the film first opened, it had a traditional release with afternoon and early evening screenings. It bombed. Meatloaf said, which again, (laughs) I sometimes forget Meatloaf was in this, the singer, said he attended an opening week performance with the director in the Midwest and the theater was empty except for them. But in the mid-1970s, midnight screenings became popular and word of mouth began to spread that the midnight audience might enjoy this film. It began showing at midnight in a few cities and became so popular that it has been shown continually in movie theaters since 1975, making it the longest theatrical run in history. It's true. I mean, all over the place, you still see it. Now, here's the thing with this movie. I 100% get why it's a cult appeal or it has cult appeal. I really do. It's just this is not a movie I seek out. And and it's weird because I feel like I should love this movie. Do you ever have movies like that where you just feel like you should like them? And so I have seen this movie at least half a dozen times, if not more. Usually kind of around Halloween, I sometimes watch it just to see like if I like it now (laughs) because I think I'll change my mind, but I just don't. And if I'm being totally honest, I like the music way more than I like the movie. I know quite a few of the songs by heart. I just, I could never get into the movie. It's just, it's weird. (laughs) I know. Okay, number two. This is a hugely controversial one in my home because this is one of my husband Coco's favorite movies of all time. And it is The Princess Bride. I feel like I should be like kicked out of the 1980s for not liking this movie. But uh, (laughs) it was released in 1987 And while homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him the story of a farm boy turned pirate who encounters numerous obstacles, enemies, and allies in his quest to be reunited with his true love. Some trivia on this, director Rob Reiner left the set during Billy Crystal's scenes because he would laugh so hard that he would feel nauseated. I could see that. Billy Crystal is hilarious. During the filming of some scenes, the weather became markedly cold for Robin Wright. Andre the Giant helped her by placing one of his hands over her head. His hands were so large that one would entirely cover the top of her head, keeping it warm. So like I said, this is very controversial. And like a lot of the other movies, there are great scenes and there are parts that are so funny and there are so many memorable lines that even I know. And and again, I have seen this movie... Probably a dozen times. So it's not one that I've never seen really. But it freaked me out as a kid. And so I think I have a hard time getting over that. Like, do you guys remember the swamp scene with the rats? Like, what the hell? That is gnarly, like, gross. And I don't know. It's just when I watch the movie, it just kind of makes me feel weird because it freaked me out as a kid. And so I think I just have a hard time getting over that. But again, that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. And there are great parts of it. I would say out of all of the ones I've 
I have on this list, including number one, this is the one I have watched way by far. And obviously, I don't hate it if I keep watching it. So it just makes me feel weird. <laughs> okay, number one, Labyrinth. Again, another 80s weird movie. <laughs> Uh, released in 1986, it's about a 16-year-old, Sarah, who is given 13 hours to solve a labyrinth and rescue her baby brother, Toby, when her wish for him to be taken away is granted by the Goblin King. Trivia, the various things that Jareth does with the crystal balls, like rolling them around his arms and in his hands and so forth, are not camera tricks or any other kind of special effect. They are actually done by choreographer Michael Motion, who is an accomplished juggler. Motion was actually crouched behind Bowie with his arms replacing Bowie's. Unlike a typical Muppet performance, however, he had no video screen to view his performance. So in other words, he like his manipulations were completely blind, like he performed them completely blind. I'm sorry, if you've seen this movie, that's pretty freaking impressive. This was also the final theatrical movie directed by Jim Henson. Uh, now, this is a little bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but every time anybody says it's a piece of cake in this movie, something bad happens shortly afterwards. And now I got another piece of trivia for you. What musician did Jim Henson prefer for the film over Bowie? A, Michael Jackson, B, Sting, C, Mick Jagger. So straight up, this movie just freaked the hell out of me as a kid. And I just, I can't see it any other way. I've seen this movie maybe twice my entire life, and it just freaks me out. Bowie is such a creeper in this movie. And people are, like, in love with him, and I, I guess I kind of get it, like, that obsession. But he's just such a creeper to me. And I don't know, just, it gives me the, like, I kind of said with Princess Bride, it gives me this weird feeling when I watch it. I think I get anxiety, like, Genuinely, I think I get anxiety from the labyrinth part of it, like not being able to get out, being stuck. Like, I think it, <laughs> I think it triggers something in me. And also, just like with a lot of the 80s movies, those freaky, weird 80s puppet things, there's so many puppet things in this movie. And yeah, this one I don't get. And I genuinely know quite a few people that love this movie. Again, I probably haven't watched it in 15, 20 years, so maybe 15 years, so maybe I have to go back and watch it again, but uh, I don't know. I'm sure there's appeal, and I'm sure people love it, and that's why it's a cult classic. It's just, it's not my jam. But if I rewatch any of these movies, I will let you know <laughs> and update you on, uh, maybe, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should watch all five of these movies and then do a update on if I still think they should be on this list or not. We'll see about it. So, trivia answers. Are we ready? Okay, for Rocky Horror Picture Show, whose feature film debut was it? A, Tim Curry, B, Susan Sarandon, or C, Brad Majors? Who do you think? Got it? It was A, Tim Curry, that actually surprised me. I guess I thought he'd been around longer, but that's what IMDb said. So I believe it. And then the second one, what musician did Jim Henson prefer for the film? Was it A, Michael Jackson, and this is for Labyrinth, A, Michael Jackson, B, Sting, or C, Mick Jagger? All big names at the time, including Bowie. 
You got it? All right, it was B, Sting. He wanted Sting for the role, but his kids talked him out of it because Bowie was such a bigger deal at the time. So and I guess it worked out for Bowie. <laughs> so that's it. There you have it. My top five cult classics I don't love. I don't hate, but I don't love. So what do you think? Do you agree with me on any of these? Do you disagree with me and want to just tell me really nicely that you disagree with me? <laughs> Either way, come talk to me on social media. I'm on all the platforms. You know how to find me by now. So come find me. All right? Okay. Have a great rest of the day, and I will talk to you on Friday. Bye.